One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. And welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And before I forget, the polls are still open for the People's Choice and the Podcast Awards, and we are up for the Games and Hobbies section. So if you haven't already, we would truly appreciate it if you could go ahead and cast your vote, and let's see how far we can take this. And as always, let's go over some community updates within Halo itself. So I think one of the biggest ones at first is Halo 3 is finally, you know, we have that date for it coming to PC. Yeah, so it's going to be here in two days on Tuesday, which is July 14th. So yeah, we'll be seeing the full launch coming out from then. As well, we see an update to MCC itself with CE. We're getting some visual upgrades Mm -hmm. uh, and a couple skins and actually making it enjoyable again to kind of be (laughs) able to play with your character and skin up your vehicles. It's really cool what they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Now, some may think it was a scapegoat because they're like, hey, we've got no other infinite news right now. Let's just give you some skins, uh, which is the typical way. But we do also have our Xbox showcase coming out as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, July 23rd. So it's uh, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific time, I believe. So it'll be 11 a.m. here. So I'm, because I'm really excited for that because it'll be, you know, some concrete infinite news i mean well nothing yeah how about this more infinite news asterisks more than likely but there'll be more stuff about the game yeah and then finally i mean you know we we saw that that whole banished clip and now there's been a lot of confirmed sets for mega blocks with the banished fighting master chief and all these other spartans we're seeing you know a, a good mix of the art style with 343 and bungee mm-hmm. i mean nothing's set in stone so we're not going to sit here and tell you oh this set this set shows this vehicle so that's going to be in the game it's just as of right now it's confirmed you know banished will be in the game but that's as far as we are going to speculate that way you know we're not going to be wrong about something But with that being said, moving on from that, let's talk about the topic at hand. Let's talk about Halo Silentium. Halo Silentium is the 12th book in the Halo universe and final book in the Greg Bear Forerunner trilogy. Released March 19th, 2013, the book documents a notable amount of Forerunner, human, and precursor history and documents the fall of the Forerunners itself. Going over really quick, you know, we covered a lot more about Greg Bear in the Cryptum episode and then again the Primordium episode. But just one last time, let's just give you some bullet points about him. So Greg Bear is an American writer from San Diego, California. 
He's the winner of five Hugo Awards and two Nebula Awards. He's written over 50 books, and he has also worked as a freelance journalist, lectured at schools and the FBI headquarters, consulted at Microsoft and Google, and was the Master of Ceremonies at the Homeland Security Conference in Washington, D.C. in 2008. As far as writing the book, for the first two of them, 343 Industries let Bear roll with a majority of his ideas, setting the stage for Halo 4 itself, since a lot of the plot of those first two books that we talked about mm -hmm. had little to do with the game itself, you know, because we had the story of Riser and Shakas yeah. and get an idea of who all these Forerunners even were yeah. and that there were humans and all this other stuff. So it's definitely laying the background of leading into four, but also leading into CE, weirdly enough. Yeah. You know, trying to get those things set. When it came time to writing Salentium, though, every idea Bear had would be checked to make sure it coincided with Halo 4. Yeah, so he had a little less freedom this time. It's like, I have this idea. They're like, cool, we're going to fact check. When you could tell, because the first two were much more of a novel and story, and these firsthand accounts, but were still a fictitious work. Salentium was much more of a an encyclopedia. Yeah. You know, it's it's a retelling through this catalog and through various recordings that they have of these different people, you know, whether it's the librarian or either didact or, you know, the master builder. Yeah. It's going through those, but like you said, it's fact-checking to kind of set up like, oh, this is how this was set. This is why the halos were there. This is why this yeah. is positioned. So it made sense. On July 12, 2012, Tor Books would reveal the cover art, title, and the release date of the final Forerunner novel. When the cover was revealed, though, it wasn't the final version, in fact. It wasn't the final version. In fact, the cover for the book, when it released, was a cover made specifically for the book. The version Tor Books initially revealed was concept art from Halo 4, used as... You know, they didn't say it at the time, but it was kind of more of a placeholder. Yeah. Of like, this is what we're going to do. And then when... The other two were Halo cover, uh, Halo 4 art. Yeah, yeah. So it was just, you know, they were kind of reusing it. And they kind of did the same thing with this one as mm -hmm. well. Uh, or initially, that's what you thought. Initially. But in December 2012, Tor would reveal the real cover art. Tor waited until after the release of Halo 4, obviously, to show this cover art because the cover itself contained spoilers. So, yeah, it was more. And the spoilers is really just how the didact and how the, how the librarian look because mm -hmm. before then... We had no visual representation. So basically what they did is if you've seen the cover art, it's like uh, the didact with his hands around an orb that has the librarian. Mm -hmm. And essentially they just added that in. So the background was like still the same, like that purple Halo 4 cover art. But then they just pasted that in really, which is which makes sense. No, and I think it works. The biggest thing for me was these were supposed to tell the story of the didact and the librarian and really why they mattered in Halo 4. Yeah. So I get they didn't want to spoil it, but at the same time, you release it after the game. So it's kind of like you have to read it after and then play the game again, I guess, to really appreciate both sides of it. Yeah, and even then, like, really a lot of what happened to the didact and the librarian is shown in the terminals. Yes. Like, so this is a very long version of of some of the terminals, which even, which really... The the story and the terminals in Halo 4 don't come until around the ending of the book itself, because mm -hmm. I remember waiting throughout the whole book. I'm like, all right, like, when when does this stuff kind of happen? But it doesn't happen in, until, like, the last couple chapters, really, which is surprising. 
Because it's even like, why did they include that stuff in the terminals? Why didn't they just create something entirely new mm-hmm. that really didn't coincide with any of this stuff that could be its own kind of separate little thing? You can think of it as a way of backpedaling almost mm-hmm. because they're like, hey, we want to read this superfluous material to understand it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, some people might not read it. I know you and I, the first time we passed through the game, we didn't read the books. We're just like excited about Halo 4 to come out. We're like, let's play it. And you're like, you know, what is this story? It's it's mm-hmm. interesting, but we're not really sure. But it's, it's, as you said, with the terminals, you get a bit more of the history of it. So I think the books themselves just give you a deeper dive into the lore and the build of who the Forerunners even were. Yeah. And to give you an idea, because this is the first time also in the book, we're really hearing about what Prometheans are yeah. and how they got set up. So I, I will say the book really built on that mm-hmm. and really did build on, I guess you'd say the Didex plan or his idea on it and yeah. his, not descent into rampancy, but his descent into, you know, it's, it's kind of like whenever you see it in a movie or TV show where someone splits and they're like, hey, we're going to be the exact same people. Yeah. But you realize they both kind of grow apart and one becomes a little bit more evil, one's a little bit more good mm-hmm. in a way. And that's kind of what we're seeing through this book. Yeah. So 343 Industries realized that Silentium would actually contain spoilers for Halo 4, so they decided to have the book release a few months after the game, January 2013. Tor would then push back the release date once more to March 2013, just to make sure that anyone who read that book had more time to play Halo 4 first. Which I mean, is <laughs> just, all you have to do is, who's playing Halo 4 and takes, what was that? three months, two months, to be like, man, I can't beat this game. Let me pick this book up real quick and read about it. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to play the game anymore. Or someone is like, I'm going to check out Halo 4. What's this? This is a book that goes with it. Well, read the book. Don't yeah. need to play the game now. And I'm going to be honest, talk more at the end of the episode, but what does it really spoil for you? It really, yeah, not too terribly much. It, do, it does in the frame of who they are and and kind of why they're in the game. Yeah, and some motivations, because spoiler, we do actually learn about Didact's motivations now. Yes. E- evil Didact now. I'm not going to say ISO or er. I'm just going to say evil or good. Yeah, that's all it is. Because I also left get or the, right shoulder, basically. Because I get them mixed up all the time as well. While I was listening to the book, I was like, wait, which one is that? Which one is that? Uh, to wrap up this whole section... To hype the release of the book, Halo 4 players could track down mysterious messages in Halo bulletins and in Silentium itself where they could unlock in-game bonuses. And then just for some like little little internal or little marketing going on, Bear would also sign copies of the book the day of the release at the University of Washington. And then again a few days later at the Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore, which is the coolest name for a bookstore ever. Oh, I love it. I, I wish more stores just had... Stuff like that. You're like, you know what? I do want to go in there. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I heard the name of that, and I just kind of like imagine like some kind of galaxy painting on the outside, and then you just want to go in. So. Yeah, and, and I hope it's like dark and dank, too. Like, because <laughs> like, you have, like here in St. Louis, you have like Star Clipper. I guess they're in Illinois now. But you have Star Clipper. That's, that's pretty prim and proper and pretty laid out. Bright as well. Bright. I love the dingy bookstore game stores mm-hmm. that just have shelves of like... Books that have been there that probably were written on those shelves and just <laughs> left there and just gathered dust. But you always find like those little treats, mm-hmm. which is just so fun. Step up your game, Missouri. St. Louis specifically, because we did just lose Star Clipper. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, you know, again, there wasn't too much about the backstory of writing this just because 
you know, I, no one's going to interview him about how he's writing the third book at this point. Essentially, let's dive into the summary of the story itself. And really, I, th- the beginning is a little hard to follow. It is. Because we're jumping back into Oni Files, mm-hmm. similar to the cutouts, cutouts, cut-ins, whatever you want to call them, similar to Primordium, whenever we cut back to Oni's interrogation, interview, whatever yeah. you want to call it, with Guilty Spark, we're getting that again. And, and each chapter is like another audio log mm-hmm. that's yeah. told from the point of view of either one of the didacts, like I said, or another character, or we're going to learn about the character catalog mm-hmm. um, and a whole different kind of section of, of forerunners that are there. So it segments it off well, I would say, but when you're trying to have first-person accounts from all these characters continuously, yeah, it does get a little jumbled, but we will break it down and give you guys an idea of, you know, the lore that we're getting into this and, you know, really where Bear, you know, ended us at. Yeah, but yeah. So the beginning of the book it starts, and we have these juridicals, which are, uh, I mean, play on words, the jurisdiction, whatnot. Yeah, and and I like that forerunners kind of are about it. They're like, mm-hmm. you are the librarian, you catalog this stuff, and like I said, we literally follow, you know, a catalog, which mm-hmm. is a juridical who's there to kind of take all these testimonies down. Yeah, of, of everything that's been going on with the didact, and you know, with the master builder and all these other people so we get a lot of accounts through the catalog mm-hmm. and then the other portions that we're getting is from a damaged monitor yeah that we're pulling this from that that gives a lot of the i statements throughout it so if you're ever confused in reading the book and you're like how is there a a person or a thing with these people you realize that it's, it's told from the account of a monitor mm-hmm. yeah so we have this juridical who's talking to horospis who is the the guardian of the domain and he says i need to get in to the domain, I think as we have we as we've talked about, the domain is kind of like all the the knowledge of the forerunners, like just this bank of it essentially. And so he's yeah, it's like, it's like your supercomputer, it's like your Hal, mm-hmm. yeah, essentially just isn't trying to murder everyone by the end of the movie. <laughs> but of course, the uh, the senior juridical is like, hey, let me in, and he's like, and Horace was like, you got the password? Just kidding, there's no password. You can't get in. No one can get in. Mm-hmm. I'm the guardian. No one can get in. They kind of had like this like little debate on um. Whether or not he can get in. Yeah, because he, he comes back, he's like, what if I get clearance? Well, you could, but you also couldn't because there's no clearance to get. Yeah, he's like, no one can give you clearance, which, yeah. come on. It's, it's kind of like the Sphinx riddle. Like, you can never solve it because there's, like, it's just a loop. Like, there's a never-ending type thing where, like, everyone who could get in is dead. But if you could get clearance, you could get in. But, but you they're can't. dead. But you can't because they're dead. <laughs> yeah. But if they weren't dead, you could, but they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then... Horace said that for about nine hours, and that's the book, essentially. Yes. <laughs> but no, the, the juridical is wanting to get information about the the uh, precursors. Yes. Because this, this comes up a lot. The, the precursors are a huge part of this story now. Mm-hmm. And so he you know, wants to know what happened with precursors and the forerunners. Because before, it was just kind of assumed that they scooted off, that they just kind of like disappeared, you know? And so he's really trying to hunt down like... What's going on? Yeah, because in the end, kind of as we're seeing that the AIs that we have of today's age, mm-hmm. or in Halo's age, very similar to all these other ones that ran across the world with with precursors and with forerunners. Yeah. So the mantle, or sorry, excuse me, the domain ends up requesting 
that that juridical can come in. He's like, I mm-hmm. want to testify. I've got some stuff to tell you. It's like those rock stars that, you know, their fans are trying to get in. The rock stars are like, no, let them in. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so the domain lets them in and says, okay, this is going to be... It's going to be a lot for you. Mm-hmm. And so he basically kind of absorbs it very similar to how we see the monitors being developed or, or basically taking that human essence out mm-hmm. and just kind of ripping it apart and making it that. So it's kind of what we end up seeing with that is that there's just so much for the to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now we move on to uh, Air Tyrene where we have Catalog. And it's a juridical who is investigating this battle that just happened where this old council had just been completely wiped out. Yes, because we're, we're kind of learning about that old council, and that's when we're getting back to that same spirit that inhabited Shakas, the, the admiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Forthencho. Forthencho, yeah. And we're, this, this juridical is interviewing the isodidact, good didact, and the librarian to kind of figure out what exactly happened. Because throughout this book, a lot of it is them being interviewed or recounting their experiences in the past a thousand years or so before the very end when they kind of like split off. Mm-hmm. And, and during the the interview and whatnot, the, some uh, some flood show up. So we're, we're already starting to see that we're kind of in the midst of the Forerunner Flood War, which has been going on. And really, I, 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 I will say I do like this book gives you a grand scope of the, the Forerunner Flood War because they're like, oh, thousands hundreds of thousands of these ships have been taken over by the forerunner or mm-hmm. from, by the flood which really puts i didn't realize how big this war was well and to think too some of those ships too are precursor mm-hmm. it's ships that have been revived that have been whether they've been floating along or, mm-hmm. or what's been happening it's been that long and we see that the precursors have fought this as well and kind of established this yeah and, and Jumping a little bit ahead, they do have something called Star Roads, mm-hmm. which are essentially just, you know, kind of that, or at least what they look like. But they're just these long, like, almost like tentacles made out of, like, it's kind of odd how they explain it, but, like, light and whatnot that can just rip through things and, like, big old, I don't know, star tentacles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the old star tents. So, with this, the Didex says, all right, librarian and catalog, get out of here. Like, you guys need to go. We're going to take care of this, you know, what yeah. we can. We're obviously outnumbered, but we're going to do what we can. But you need to go. And so while the catalog is with the librarian, you know, she she starts to kind of tell him how she became a life shaper. And the kind of growing split between the original didact and her, you know, telling the story about how it was love. At the beginning, and you know, your typical dumb human stuff they're talking about, but <laughs> it was love at the beginning. You know, they did have different views and some things, but they really started to come together on it. Yeah. You, you know, he wanted to protect, you know, his, I think it's in the book, like he was to defend and protect or something, or defend and have strategy or something like that. And hers was to preserve. Yeah. So almost on a similar path, but it started to split whenever the flood started to get involved. Yeah. Because. As we learn, the librarian was kind of wanting to – she was a catalog herself of, of, of taking all the different lives across the galaxies mm-hmm. and almost putting them into a – not a zoo, but eh, kind of a zoo – to study them and preserve them so that if there were tragedies to happen, she could then help repopulate. And I mean, we see that in Legends, yeah, you know, with, yeah, with the quick yeah, synopsis yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, of her bringing them back down to, to kind of repopulate – so it kind of talks about that, but then talks about how 
the didact then want to do shield worlds to defend against the flood. He's like, mm-hmm. this is the only way to do it, to have shield worlds where you can have all the nutrients and everything that you need to do this. Yeah. But she kind of disagreed with that. And at the same time, you had the master builder who said, no, halos are the way to go. Halos are the way to go. You know, hey, Halos and arcs, yeah. Halos and arcs, you know, because... And we'll learn throughout this. We're going to kind of jump around just because it makes it easier for, I think, us to tell it as we go is we'll eventually get an interview with the Master Builder talking about why he chose to do mm. these. And, and that it was kind of a scheme at first. He's like, I need these halos. And then he goes, oh, I think everyone from the council is like, no, you don't. That's ridiculous. And he goes, okay, what if I build these arcs that will preserve life on them? You know, it's what the librarian wants. Yeah. And it's actually better than the shield world because the shield worlds were doing that too. Like the shield worlds can bring everything in. And I think that was the one thing the master builder was missing out on trying to preserve this life and to have it. So he was, okay, the arcs will do this. But on the other hand, he could also then build more halos with the arcs. Yeah. He just, he's like, oh, this is, this is the best of both worlds. It's kind of a halo and kind of a shield world, but then it just poops out halos. So yes. everyone, everyone wins essentially. Yeah. Cause he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to win and, and we'll know this. And we kind of go on a little bit and then talk about really the life of those early years of the didact in the librarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, we talk about their estate. Like, it was this beautiful ornate estate. And she even says something to the effect of, like, well, the warrior class wasn't known for ornateness. You know, that mm-hmm. was just kind of like, I do, I kill, I save. Mm-hmm. But apparently their home was, like, gold inlaid. Like, he had an interior design sense. <laughs> and he knew what he was doing. And so, you know, they had this talk about what's going on, all these aspects before he was exiled. Yeah, yeah. And 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 talking about trying to preserve the world. But then this is kind of where we start to see that tear a little bit. Where yeah. he starts to go on the defensive aspect of it. And he talks about the shield worlds. And she's like, no, we need to save this. So we get a little bit of background on their story. This is this is essentially right before he went into exile, correct? From, mm-hmm. the, from the very first book where they're, they're kind of like... Prepping the the uh, cryptum forum, they're like, you got your got your favorite DVDs, you got that that specific Kool Aid flavor you like. Of course, okay. you don't have a DVD player. This is an issue now because you have DVDs but no DVD player. What's up with that? And, and then and then he happens. just went in anyways. He's winning anyways. It happens. Yeah, and and so obviously he's in his exile, but it also talks about how the librarian wanted to figure out the origins of the flood, and she had learned that like through the political scene. And through some knowledge to assist the master builder, that she proposed this this expedition to a local galaxy known as Path Cathona, mm-hmm. where there was said to be basically this whole library yeah. of just all the aspects of the flood and their origins, like all these kind of lost stories, because it's kind of like one of those forgotten worlds. Yeah, it, it, but it is so bizarre to me as well. Like, oh, you want to know the origin? It's over there. We don't go there, yeah, but it's a, over there. It's that library no one goes to. It's the reference section. We gotta like you gotta be quiet in there and go into these yeah. panes of glass. Like no one really goes there. Essentially, yeah, because that's what it is. So, so they do go. So it's it's the librarian keeper of the tools who is a builder, and then a miner named Clearance of the Old Forests. Very literal names. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine would be jabs on way too much. <laughs> <laughs> but and, uh, and then there's Chantagreen and Berthelite as well, who are also life workers. And so they arrive at Path. Thona. And at first it's like, okay, there's nothing really going on here. It's just kind of no life or anything like that. 
uh, and they start to find like ancient precursor stuff, and so they're kind of digging through. I don't, I don't know how they dig through this stuff. They're they're going. They got through, a miner. They, oh, it, I'm picturing it's that dude from Elder, not Eldorado. What's the, the Atlantis movie? Yes, yes, yeah, the Atlantis the movie. The little mole guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just have him just like running around, him and blowing and the, stuff. The dude up. just boom stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. That's essentially it. So they do eventually discover life, and what they discover are more forerunners on the planet. Mm-hmm. But these aren't regular forerunners. These are very primitive forerunners. Like, they're very surprised. There's no armor. I, I think they even said that these forerunners eat meat, which, you know, forerunners haven't eaten meat for like X amount of years. You know, they've evolved on from that. Mm-hmm. But So they're kind of confused, and, and eventually this one older forerunner, uh, older woman, approaches the the librarian and you know it's kind of like pulling on her arm like it's kind of like this gentle beautiful scene where it's like oh like yes i'll come with you little woman i, I don't mm-hmm. know and so eventually though she pulls on the librarian's arm and just chomps on it just yeah. bites on it real hard and then like smiles big and kind of scurries off and to go back a little bit the librarian had kind of shed her armor at this point to kind of match mm, oh, with them yeah because she said you know oh it, you know if we're not in armor they'll kind of be more complied to walk up to us yeah because i think they'll recognize that we are foreigners as well even though we're kind of a whole different aspect of forerunner without the armor we're very similar and yeah so the older woman uh she was glow of old sons we learn a little bit later because so she just like just said chomped on her arm and just kind of sat there mm-hmm. and the librarian i think even talks about this she's like no this is a challenge because because the the warrior immediately starts to, like rush up to like take this old lady out. She's like, no. Can you imagine he just comes and just just <laughs> just hits obliterates this old lady her with a butt of his rifle? And she goes flying. Yeah. So so yeah. Because basically, she said, no. This is a challenge. This is a test. So the lady releases her chompers. The dentures are still in there. <laughs> have to pull the dentures out. <laughs> she she puts it down and they're like the joke dentures. Yes, that's exactly what happened. So she pulls back. And you could tell, like, the old lady kind of accepted that. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah, you're a true forerunner. You let me bite you. <laughs> as, as is it. The next time I, I want to know if someone's my friend, I'm just going to bite them on the arm. Just bite them and stare them in the eyes. <laughs> yes, you are good. No, but she, so she does this, and they kind of retreat a little bit. So librarian's like, all right, we're going to head out for a minute. You know, we're going to go pick up some Wendy's. Uh, we'll be back. Do you want anything? No? All right, good. So they head back and kind of regroup for a minute. But the librarian starts to, like, second sense stuff, mm-hmm. or, like, sixth sense stuff, or eighth sense, depending on how many senses they have. She's starting to get, like, some memories and whatnot. Yes. It's, it's these memories coursing through her, and she's starting to, like, get these memories of the precursors, basically, and of mm-hmm. this, like, ancient civilization, and, like, starts to realize, like, oh, you know, like, that bite, like, it has to do something with that. Yeah. So eventually they do, they finish up Wendy's, take the Frosty with them, mm-hmm. and they come back and all of a sudden she realizes, the librarian realizes now that she can understand these ancient forerunners. Yes. Because I, I believe at the beginning there was like a couple of words that were in both like the modern language and this this ancient mm-hmm. language, but nothing they could really understand. Yeah, they could just pick up on it and know that there's enough of a similarity. But she comes back now and librarian's like, oh, I get it now. Like. For some reason, as much as this does or does not make sense, when you bite someone else, if a, if an ancient forerunner bites a, a modern forerunner, you get all the memories of those forerunners and you can understand their language now. Yes, and, and basically what that, that comes to be, because as Glow of the Old Sons, 
you know, because librarian even offers her again. She's like, you want you want a bite? You want to give me it all? But she's like, no, like, like come with us. Takes her to this valley. And this is where the librarian starts to discover that, oh, it's basically this microbial growth and this bacteria that actually keeps the local history, which is kind of like a full organic catalog of the domain that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. And that it's kind of like built into the planet almost. And this precursor stuff is there and they've kind of eaten the vegetation. They've grown up with it forever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's this weird kind of organic catalog. And I thought that was such a really interesting way to do it. Well, it's kind of like, it's almost kind of like the same thing with Avatar, right? Yes. You, like, you know, they have that tree where they, mm-hmm. they, they're able to share all this information and knowledge if you just plug in your ponytail. So it's kind of like the same thing, right? Really. Yes, it's, it's it's very similar. It's very similar to some some modern kind of East Asian styles of it, of like these ancient trees that hold the knowledge of the area because mm-hmm. they're just so old. So it's taking on that idea of it and allowing the librarian to experience it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, with this, she starts to you know actually get her her knowledge of the the precursors and really how why these these ancient forerunners are there is because you know the the ancient forerunners attacked the the precursors mm-hmm. they the, the precursors were like listen we know we created you we know we created humans we're not gonna like we hold the mantle of responsibility right now to reseed life and make sure everything's golden like you're not going to get this mantle now. So, like, we, we've thought about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at humans now. So yes. they're, they are next. And so this infuriated the Forerunners because initially it was always the lore that, oh, the Precursors gave us the mantle, mm-hmm. and they just kind of went on their way. They just kind of went out into the field and died. Now we're learning that's not the case at all. It's the fact that the Forerunners were so angry because they wanted the mantle. Well, and, and they, felt, they felt that they were more advanced than humans. They're mm-hmm. like, like, why are you giving it to this, this backwater, like, no-name no type thing? It's like, you know, it's always that underdog fighter. It's like, why mm-hmm. are you giving it to them? And, you know, the precursors try to explain to it. It's like, you are not worthy. Like, look at you. Like, you're obviously not worthy to handle this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, yeah, so then this leads to this this genocidal campaign yeah. against them and pushes them back to Path Cathona. Yeah. And they're basically, you know, put on the verge of extinction. I know uh, Save the Timeless One, essentially, and he actually gets brought up later. But so now we know that's like, uh-oh, um, we, like, wiped out this species mm-hmm. because we were angry. We did the exact opposite of what they sh- that what they wanted us to do. And what's crazy is that these foreigners that are there, these ancient foreigners, mm-hmm. they were actually put there by the other foreigners for refusing to take part in the genocide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because uh, even afterwards, when that genocide happened, a lot of foreigners then felt bad and went into exile themselves. Like because they're like, oh god, this was horrible. Why did we do this? We're gonna disappear now. Like we're we're done. We're just gonna. Mm-hmm. So then, moving on from that, now we're back to Erdidact or Bad Didact, uh, and, and back to the present. So, yeah, so this is yeah the present now. Again, there's a lot of timeline shifts going on throughout this book where it can be kind of tricky sometimes to keep up with it. But mm-hmm. so right now we're back in the present, and uh, Bad Didact, not bad yet, but Bad Didact wakes up from this this stasis bubble. So he's on this ship. And he's on it with a Promethean named Sharp by Striking, 
and a, another catalog and uh, a, a builder who's named Maker of the Moons. And and catalogs are also like they're AIs, but they're like humanoid almost. Yes. Yeah. Th- yeah. Think of them as I always thought of it to make it easier as if they were engineers, but they were just the smarts of it, not the building aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that they were just kind of there neutral like super neutral would go to any side that they needed to do just to pull information mm-hmm. yeah yeah and because we, we start to learn about this because what happens is that the the erdidact wakes up first mm-hmm. and starts to stumble around and notices that it's very similar to me the start of halo 4 yeah where chief wakes up and like half a ship systems are going crazy broken down very similar here mm-hmm. because he tries to make it to a bridge and he, he notices you know both of these in stasis and starts trying to figure out what's going on and as they start to explore and, and you know, they get to meet each other, like, hey, you're not infected, because that's what they were starting to figure out is like, oh, they might be infected. Because originally, I believe Sharp by Striking wakes first out of the two of them. And basically, they're like, he's like, you infected? And Erdogan's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like, we got to we gotta double check these things. And, you know, we need to say that if she's infected or, or what's going on, because... We need to figure this stuff out. Yeah, because because there's stuff going on right now that we really don't know what's going on. And they, they even explain how I think at one point Sharp by Striking is saying that he was like a shamed Promethean. And it's kind of asking the didact, like, can you can we work together? Because, you know, I kind of need your permission for it. Yeah, because I, they talked about or he, he had talked about that the Master Builder had kind of recruited them all. Mm-hmm. Because I believe... If I'm thinking this right, Sharp by Striking was on this ship that was kind of escorting the Master Builder and his crew mm-hmm. when they turned and killed everyone but Sharp by Striking. And so Sharp by Striking thinks that it's more of this exile type thing. Like that's mm-hmm. why they brought him here and kept only him alive. And yeah. he wants to apologize to the Erdite. He's like, listen, I am a warrior, true at heart. I, I was in the Builder class because I got forced into it. But if you'll accept me, like if if you'll forgive my discrepancies in this... I would like to assist you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 remember, keep in mind that we thought in Primordium that the this didact was dead. Remember, they're just like, oh, he's probably dead. He was he was launched off somewhere. He's dead. So so now we're kind of like, oh, he's actually alive, and he's like, my God, I'm alive because I assume I would be dead. But this is now where we learn about – this is where we see the Star Roads for the first time. So they're seeing out in the distance all these Forerunner ships mm-hmm. that are now flood-infected and these Star Roads all kind of making their way towards them, which I think – this is one of those cinematic moments where, like, you you envision it in your head and you're like, holy crap, this is, this is beautiful. Like, and this is what I want to see because mm-hmm. we're, in, we're in the burn, which is – a flood-infested star system. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just a planet or a ship's coming. It's the entire solar system yeah. is flood-infested. Yeah. And, and that's just like... A, we, and, and spoiler, we don't get a lot of actual battles in this. It's more of like recounting these like, oh, God, there's a battle going on. Let's get out of here. Like, instead, like, I, I would love to see, like, the thick of it. Like, what actually is going on? Like, I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But but we don't get a lot about that. But either way, yeah, so they do realize what's going on. Well, yeah, because what eventually happens is the catalog is saying, okay, I can take these testimonies against the builder and against Faber, but I need to connect to the network again. And it looks like that that flood-infested world down there, uh, Uthera Midgard, 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 basically. Midgard. <laughs> 
has you know an, an option for me to connect to it. It's got we, Wi-Fi. It's got Wi-Fi basically, <laughs> so they can get to it. And this is where, like we said, that that Promethean artifact, the the slithery star roads, as some may say, appears and like threatens to destroy the ship. This is where you know Erdodex says, "Okay, I'm going to stay here." Because we actually get like the kind of the juxtaposition. Because earlier we had good didact that's like, mm-hmm. get out of here. I'm gonna stay and fight this flood. Same thing with Erdidact, bad didact. Mm-hmm. It's like, get out of here. I'm gonna see what this precursor thing is. Yeah. These weird space snakes. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> little, little nasty space tentacles. Yeah. So the the others, Sans catalog. So catalog stays behind as well. The others escape. Mm-hmm. And they get yeah. out of there and they're trying to figure out what it is. And this is where we get to see the precursor. Slash Jabba the Hutt Gravemind mm-hmm. gets introduced. And this is where we start to see a lot more of the history of it and kind of what the precursors kind of did to themselves, but yeah. also didn't. Yeah, because you know. we because we, you know, they kind of touch on again, you guys screwed us over, and we, you know, as we were trying to just, you know, we we kind of disintegrated and we're gonna re-evolve again into this because mm-hmm. we have nothing but time, baby, nothing but time. So they they say, you know, but as we started evolving, we became more and more angry. And and the same with the uh, the timeless one. Yes. The whole entire time he was in that stasis, he just started getting madder and madder. And before he was killed by the good didact, he um, transferred his consciousness into a key mind, which is like a smaller grave mind. And so that's why now we know, okay, like, this is why he's back. Because he's back. He's like, hey. Uh, a little uglier, but that's fine. Put on a few pounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he tells him, like, you know, we have a new goal now. Our, our old goal was we wanted to preserve life. We held the mantle of responsibility. But now we're so angry. And I think he says a line that I like that's like, when we look in the mirror, we want to see, like, only ourselves. Like, or if, like, if, if everyone looked in a mirror, they would only see us. Like, yes. he's trying to say... No one's going to come against us again because now, you know, it's the opposite of what we wanted to do. We don't want to preserve life anymore. We want to consume it all. We want to be one entity, one being, which is the flood. And and we're seeing that that what that actually really is, is that so whenever the flood, excuse me, whenever the precursors were under attack and doing this, some went dormant and some turned to that powdery substance we see. Mm-hmm. And we, we hear in the other ones where they fed it to their dogs and their dogs, they ate their dogs and they became flood basically. Yeah, yeah. So what that is, is that the precursors can regenerate. They have mm-hmm. nothing but time, like you said. However, it rendered them kind of defective and all it could do is create this disease of a thing. They couldn't like connect like they wanted to. They couldn't kind of formed to make a being of themselves. It just mm-hmm. became this weird, almost parasite. Yeah. Where, like, they join with the host, and they could only do this thing. And that's when, they're, that's when like, you're talking about, it's kind of like, we want to see ourselves and everybody, but at the same time, they're like, we wanted humans to have the mantle. Like, we we're actually passing it on. Yeah. But now with all of this and the, the destruction of our people and the destruction of our sanity, we have no idea what this is. And this actually starts to way and destroy the sanity of the Erdidact. Yeah, because he's almost like convincing him, like, hey, you guys kind of suck. So just just keep that in mind. And it's kind of like that whole idea of like what the logic plague is, is basically it's like the the timeless one can basically convince you to go crazy. Yes. Essentially. It, it's very similar to whatever the Gravemind kind of grabbed both Chief and Arby. 
Mm-hmm. And Chief kept seeing Gravemind kind of through Cortana, but being in her system plus his system. Mm-hmm. Very similar to that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're going to see that play out possibly in a game. Possibly. We're never going to see the flood in the game, which is weird, but we're going to see <laughs> kind of that idea of it. And, yeah, and, and like you said, this is, to wrap this up, you know, this this precursor, Gravemind, basically says, you know, no creation will ever rise against us again, and that's why we are basically taking over everything. Yeah, basically, like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on flood. me. <laughs> <laughs> fool me <laughs> twice, you're going to die. <laughs> that's a very uh, all-out mentality to have. But don't, isn't this where um, it, it, we find out later that the Master Builder is alive? Yes. Yeah. So we originally thought that our big bad guy, Medicaid Bias, was working with him. Then we realized Medicaid Bias is kind of on his own. Mm-hmm. And we think Master Builder hasn't made it out of any of that. Because yeah. we, we ended the second one with going through that slip on the ring to make it out of that whole entire destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, it's discovered, oh, like, hey, bud, you're kind of alive still. Um, he actually gets, you know, it's, you know, uh, Ur Didact, Bad Didact out of there and then they get, they get the hell out of there. Cause also didn't they say that the, that, uh, that catalog AI also helped Ur Didact, Bad Didact escape at the last minute? Yes. Cause the yeah. catalog was kind of able to take some of that info and, and deal with some things there. And, you know, you, you have to wonder too, like the corruption of it, because we know that AIs are corruptible, like mendicant bias, mm-hmm. and so yeah, both of them had kind of been probed. But yeah, we, we, we get back to the master builder and realize that he's actually been fighting this the whole time. Yeah, and has like his own squadron. That's, I think they're down to what two or three ships, and they had hundreds. Yeah, like it's just been slowly getting dwindled down, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the case with basically every encounter with the flood itself. But yeah, so then this is where we get like a little awkward meeting going on, because eventually the the bad didact is returned home, and when you know he finds out beforehand, like oh okay, so um, because I think at one point a catalog is like you shouldn't be here. Like you're here, but you shouldn't be here. Yes. And he goes, Oh, so that means that born stellar took to that thing I did. And now he's me. And so eventually he's returned back home. And we get this like awkward confrontation between the librarian, the good didact and the bad didact, the good didact, the bad didact, the ugly didact. Yes. That was a bad joke. Um, Great job. <laughs> but yeah. And so like, I, I like, it's like a description like, Oh, okay. So the bad didact has more scars than the good didact, but you can tell they're the same. They kind of both like puff out their chest and like looking each other down. They're like, hmm. Yeah, because I think they even talk about that, you know, if, if we were to fight or either Catalog says it or one of them thinks it, if we were to fight in combat, we are completely equally matched. Mm-hmm. We are matched in skill, strength, armor, you know, all these other things. You know, it would basically be like fighting like Shadow Link. Like all <laughs> your moves are exactly the same. But you do beat Shadow Link eventually. And one of these does beat the other one eventually. It's, this is also true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it talks about that power struggle. And we we start to really see the split. And that's like, like I said, like the good angel, bad angel on your shoulder type deal with between these two. Mm-hmm. We start to see really how much that Gravemind has affected the Ur Didact, the bad Didact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we had learned in the story with the librarian that, you know, he they they had, let's say, political differences. I guess it's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. He wanted to do shield worlds. She wanted to preserve, but they agreed upon it. We learned that changed a little bit later, but he starts to be like, you know, humans need to be wiped out. Like, why are you trying to preserve these things? Mm-hmm. You know, we should do this, this and that. And and she's kind of like, I really don't know who you are now. 
Yeah, and it's the same thing with he's trying to tell good didact like, oh, you're you're okay with like these halo rings? Like that's against the mantle responsibility. How mm-hmm. dare you? Like you're no, like you know, you're not me. I'm me. You're a, a crappy version of me, essentially. Because I, I think eventually, though, it does end with him. And maybe this is jumping a little later, but he he does eventually tell good didact like. Obviously, like it's almost like they're—I don't know—like it's what's weird. I say it's like you get my wife. He's like you got like she loves you more now. Like she clearly is not in love with me. She's in love with you, who is a better version of me in a way romantically. So like she's you know she's all yours essentially. Yeah, and I'm I've always wondered that like reading this through is is that a really clever writing thing or just a throwaway? Where it's like is that his forerunner coming through and being like listen i know something's wrong with me like you should be with her i or I, or is it just writing that it's like you're with her now because she loves you more i think it's it's the latter i don't yeah. it was literally just like a, a small conversation like you get her now i think if it wanted to be that that writing of him you know having some kind of sanity yeah he, he i think it would have been explored upon more and but tell I, us what you guys think yeah, and I I wish it was. I think that's the one thing lacking that it kind of went over my head when I first started reading it and had to kind of go back about really the the grave mind really inhabiting him and taking this over because mm-hmm. it just kind of seems like he's a dick. Yeah, and, it's and, really what it comes off as, um, and then it's not realized until later. And yeah, and then it's like nothing that they really present on. I wish it was more like Jenkins. Yeah. Like, much more the inner monologue of, like, uh-huh. fighting against it. And you, you having, yeah, like, even maybe the voice of the, the grave mind itself. Because that's how they talk. They talk about how the grave mind didn't, like, actually say words. He, like, vibrated his brain almost and, like, telepathically talked to him. Yeah, had, like, a signal that kind of went into yeah. it. Yeah. To... So, so having that occasionally him, like, buzzing in his head would be a little more interesting than him just coming back being like, humans suck. I'm a dick. Keep my wife. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's one of the points where... I wish I explored more. I, I'm going to think of it that way anyway, because I yeah, think that's yeah. that's a much better redemption arc for him, because he's mm. always kind of been terrible in my eyes. Yeah. Like, even in the first book where we meet him, he's just kind of like, do this. All right, you're imprinted now. But Yeah. Like, Sucks to suck, loser. Yeah. Oh, this is going to bite me in the ass later? Whoops. Yeah, that's yeah. karma, son. So, on. so anyway, as as this kind of breaks down and, and they kind of go their ways, we do see a lot of those star roads starts to open up again. Mm-hmm. We see that Nomdagro, their, their home planet, starts to get ravaged by the flood. Yep. And so we have the audacity and Mantle's approach, which was the Master Builder ship, head out and go towards the greater arc, mm-hmm. which is now like the only bastion of life. And really where they're trying to send all these ships, they're like, hey, if there are any forerunners in any systems jump to this location yeah just go just because we, we we need to defend this area and even then isn't there at one point they do jump into like this council meeting where they they talk about there's almost like this debate between what the master builder did whether it was right or wrong whether he is evil or not because he is and he isn't because it's like he they're like oh you you've been doing all this really bad stuff he's like no 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 I've also been fighting the flood as well. Mm-hmm. And he does talk about, he's like, like they talk about him kidnapping the didact and everything. He's like, why would I do that? And then save him. Like, you guys are crazy. And then it goes into this other debate about, well, which didact do we actually give the power to? Yes, because we, we get to a council now. Mm-hmm. And it's this main council. And we learn of all these major Forerunner members. You know, some have been there, I think it's thousands and thousands of years before any of 
Master Builder and the Erd Didact were born. Yeah. And have been on this council. And like you said, are basically talking like, who's going to lead us? Yeah. The Erd Didact was pretty much the leader of said project, but, you know, he's not here. And the Master, you know, that's when Master Builder does that thing where he's like in the shadow in the back and just coughs. And they're like, who's that? And it's like, no, it's- oh, it's just me, Master Builder. Literally, it's literally like in Jaws when the one guy scratches the uh, <laughs> the, the chalkboard. Yes. He's got eyes. I don't. I don't know. I'm not even going to attempt to try to quote that. But but that, that's it. And and and, <laughs> it and as they as they keep talking about it, you know, they're like, we need to figure this out because Flood are going to attack. Who's going to take control of this? Mm-hmm. And this this kind of argument, it's like a, it's a split of the Isodidact versus Erdidact. Who should lead us? Mm-hmm. But that's when Master Builder jumps in. He's like, listen, I was there. The Erdidact is 100 percent under the grave mind. Yeah, because because didn't he even say like the the Erdidact literally told me like, hey, message from Gravemind, uh, he killed your family. Yes, just to, so to you Faber. know. Yeah, yeah. To Faber, he's like Gravemind absorbed your entire family on that planet you thought they were safe on. Mm-hmm. They're all dead, and he's like weirdly cold and like has like even though he didn't really have a personality in my opinion, he's just like you said, just like. A robotic messaging machine, yeah. though. Which it's so weird is how big of a deal it was for the didact. Like, it it wasn't a big deal in the book, I felt. Like, it was kind of like, yeah, he's evil. Okay, cool. Anyways, like, it was like one of the things, like, no, like, one of your greatest warriors is, like, under the control of the grave mind, essentially. Like, he's crazy. Yeah. Once again, that, that went over my head a little bit till I started reading more and more into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that really does affect him. I just thought, once yeah. again, that they had this conversation... They left, and now he's just, I hate this. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. You all retire. suck. Because yeah, I thought that was much more of the taking your one hole and splitting in halves mm-hmm. and, like, losing, quote-unquote, your humanity in one of them. Yeah. But obviously, the grave mind thing makes much more sense. But yeah, so, so the Master Builder ends up getting the convincing. He's like, listen, I, I would love to lead this. I can't. Like, the Didact has to lead this, and we need this one, the mm-hmm. ISO, the good one, to lead us. And as this council is going on, and as they're talking, a huge, I think it was hundreds and thousands of ships start yeah. to come towards the Ark, led by Mendicant Bias. Our boy, who was, you know, as we said, he, he, he went off to go interrogate the Graveminder, the Timeless One, and after like 30 years or something, convinces this dude, uh, or this, this AI, like, he should be evil with me. Let's yes. mess these guys up. It, 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 like, let, let's just start like our own version of pranked and just like mess with them all by killing their families. <laughs> all right, let's go. Yeah. And, and while this is also happening, as, as they had come up to the Ark, the librarian had learned that for some reason they had started to put the, the humans down on the halo that was there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why are my amazing beautiful humans yeah why are my little my, my little human babies that are actually adults but i call them human babies yeah and she's like why are they down there and they're yeah. like oh, i don't know you're kind of running out of space <laughs> like i don't know so she's like okay send some life workers down there like get them taken care of but as this invasion is happening she's like what the hell like there's no way we can save all of these people and this stuff it, if we had already had warriors down there and stuff to transport. We could take the ring plus the arc and like leave, mm-hmm. but that's just not possible at this point. Yeah. And, and uh, we do find out eventually that the reason the humans are down there is because bad, bad didact is making Prometheans out of those humans with the composer. Yes. As we see these ships start to leave. Yeah. You know, he takes his ship with the composer on it 
and just starts, you know, like War of the World in them. Yeah, War of the Worlding them basically, like sucking them up and then taking it. And she's just watching, you know, aghast at it and like, what is going on? Yeah. Why is he doing this? And he just does like a clean sweep and then and then is like, all right. See you guys later. Because he's like, he's like, because it's it's weird that he's still under the control of the grave mind, but he's also not, or like, he just has these like weird. He's not fully under control, but it's like he's like, oh, we need to fight the flood with these these Prometheans because they're uh, uh, immune to the the flood. So I'm going to use this, and I'm going to be kind of like a dick about fighting the flood, but I'm also kind of under the grave mind's control, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but afterwards, like, and then and then he goes off to Requiem. Yes, because uh, going to his his like coup de gras shield world. Uh huh. Yeah, and then that's where it's like probably at one point three four three was like include Requiem. They're like, and he goes <laughs> to Requiem. Yes, it's <laughs> pretty much the setup for it. <laughs> and the the crazy thing about this is, you know, this flood invasions happening, and the Isodidact. You know, they basically said, listen, this greater arc. This is lost. Like, mm. we're going to do what we can to do these defenses, but Isodidact, there's actually a lesser arc. You need to go there. Take the catalog mm-hmm. and go there. Like, get out of here. That's going to be, like, our only last line of defense. Take, you know, whatever biomaterials you can. So take take any remnants of any of the species we've saved and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's where the this kind of, like... We're starting to near the end of the book where it's like this last stance of like everything starting to come together. Like this is like truly where we're starting to see the downfall of the Forerunners, really. And through all this, the librarian comes back. You know, she's livid. Obviously, she just like watched her whole population of humans get wiped out. We then meet a familiar face. Mm -hmm. And she brings up Monitor Shakas. Yep, 343 Guilty Spark. Mm -hmm. And says, you were once human and you still retain your humanity in a way. I need you to do me the biggest favor of all. I need you to save the last remaining humans on this greater arc. Yeah. You know, and among them is Riser and his wife, you know, his family. And we, mm-hmm. we learn that. And then that's, I think that's really what like sparks shock us to be like, yes, I will. Yeah. Like, like I'm supposed to be controlled kind of by the didact and by this stuff, but I can override that if you give me these specifications. Mm-hmm. And throughout this, we also learned that this lesser arc was built in the time that the Erdidact was in the cryptum. So he has no knowledge and no recollection of where this lesser arc, or even that's around, which in turn doesn't allow the Flood to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they they could, you know, he's kind of letting them know. And way. he's kind of the beacon right now. Mm-hmm. Like the Flood is following him because they're like, oh, we know exactly where he's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so eventually then, you know, jumping back to Good Didact and, and Faber, and other Forerunner commanders, they they do activate a Halo to just buy a little bit of time. Yeah, because I think the Master Builder really convinced the Council because the Isodidact was there whenever he activated the Halo originally in the first book mm-hmm. and was like, listen, you know it works. Like, we wiped out all precursor stuff in that area, and then we can attune it to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can do that once more. And when they do that... It does destroy some of the Star Roads mm-hmm. and the Forerunner fleet, but unfortunately, the Greater Arc and that Halo are destroyed by the Star Roads eventually. It doesn't destroy them all, because I think, I don't know, you needed a little more bang for your buck. Yeah, and this is, sorry, to, to recount a little bit where I was, this is now where they're like, Isodidact, get out of here. Yes, 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 yes. Like, take take what you can, get out of here, because we need to protect that lesser arc. Like, we'll we'll defend what we can here. 
Like, it's mm-hmm. lost, but we'll buy you time. Yeah, and I think this is really where we see the end of Faber. He finally says, you know, go on. This book is a lot of, go on, I'll fight them off. Yeah, because yeah, Faber ends up giving him his ship and is like, that's my slip. We got one more slip space jump. Take my ship and go. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't deserve, like, not I don't deserve this, but I want to go out with a bang of glory for my family. Yeah, and also just kind of atonement as well, because we, you know, we learned he was, like, he had the Palace of Pain, where he was yes. in the previous book where he was torturing humans and all this stuff. So, like, he's finally like, okay, okay, I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm going to be a good guy, finally. I've kind of been a good guy, but I'm really going to be a good guy. So, get out of here. So that's when they they go now to the lesser arc where there's six more halos because there were seven at the time. Mm-hmm. The seventh halo there, there's six that are being made. The seventh one is the one that they had escaped on. Originally. Yeah, yeah, because because the, they had already made the six of them that are there, and they're getting in position like okay, six new ones mm-hmm. plus that seventh that was able to make it through the portal whenever Mendicant Bias had like crashed the Master Builder's trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it had crashed made, the party. Crashed the party. Yeah, made it through there, and we start to see. That because that was installation 07. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where the Isodidact comes back in and meets up with Shakus again. Yep. And it's like, I really enjoy this this point because they both talk about it. They're like, man, we've we've come pretty far. Yeah. Like we're not who we were, but we are. Yeah. Like, like they both have like this really cool, like reminiscing of first meeting on Remember when you were gonna rob me? Yeah. Yeah, on Air to Tyrene, like talking about that and you know, all these other aspects of which I thought was just really cool mm-hmm. that like nothing can be the same, but you know, this is what we do. And, and I really like that this is where uh, the Isodidact starts to schedule everybody about yeah. what Halo they're going to be on and, and talking with Chakas and like, hey, Chakas, I want to give you a name of endearment for this thing, um, which I think he also says is like a repentance for their sins. Mm-hmm. That's why he ends up getting 343 Guilty Spark and puts him on Installation 07 mm-hmm. and says, hey, like, I want you to be able to control these things and have the option to launch the Halos. Like, if if I said, I want to give you the commands to activate them and wipe out life, like, would you? And Shaka's just... Just doesn't answer. No answer because I, I I don't think he knows how to. Like yeah, because I I think at this point still he has so much humanity in him. He's it's still like a moral dilemma because mm-hmm. the three four three we see in in CE is like yeah dude whatever you want to do. Go as long as we it. activate your reclaimer, do it. Go for it. I don't care. Yeah, but in this it's still so much more humanity of maybe. I mean I I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but he definitely puts that mantle of responsibility. On top of Shakus or three for three guilty spark as as his new name entails, and says you will be the one to kind of take care of that. Yeah. So then moving on from from that, we're now back to the librarian. So she follows Bad Didact onto Requiem. Yes. So so she in her ship decides she goes, Okay, here's the two things I can do. One, I can board his ship, mm-hmm. and his ship will accept me because I'm, you know, I'm in the the green, the whitelisted. People can come in, yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh, what's up? Here's a tea. Come on in." Hmm. Or do I follow him through to the Shield World? And and she does decide to follow through to the Shield World. Yeah, so she gets she gets to the Shield World and she goes and I guess really call it. Uh, she confronts the Didact. Yeah. So. And, and to recant a little bit, Mantle's approach, Erdidact's ship, I believe I said it was uh, Builders, but it's Erdidact's, which was kind of the Builders to start. So 
we're going back. But anyway, as the mantle's approach goes through to the shield world, so does librarian on audacity. Mm-hmm. And this is where, as she gets past the defenses, because she's a friendly and gets through there, she ends up finding endurance of will, which is a Promethean who was a former lover of the Eurodidact. Mm-hmm. And a little bit prior to this, she was talking to basically an AI, a monitor that was there. Yeah. And the monitor's like, oh, what are, you know, the Eurodidacts know you're here. And she's like, oh, it's okay. He, he knows. He'll, he'll know. And because she has basically all clearance, she's kind of talking to him like, what is this for? What's happening? And starts to figure out that these Prometheans are being made and that they're putting like basically human essence into them. Mm-hmm. And brings a request to this this monitor AI and is like, okay, well, I need a weapon if I'm going to, you know, kind of help defend this area. And that's where they're like, okay, brings her this small rifle that fits to her hands and fits to her body. It shrinks itself down to form fit and to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it says, okay, well, hey, I think I think you want to meet the, the didact. Yeah. And at the same time, that's when she meets Endurance of Will. And she's like, oh, Endurance of Will, she's not the biggest or like the most tough, but she used to serve one of the council members. And we learned that was a lover of the Erdidact mm-hmm. and holds this bitter resentment against the librarian because she's like, you know, you stole my relationship. You stole what I could have had. Yeah. But the librarian tries to reason. It's like, listen, you're a tough warrior. Like you're a Promethean. Like why are you allowing this to happen? And starts to like chip away at her exterior. Cause she's like, I just follow orders. I follow what he does. And she's like, but, what he's doing is wrong. She's like, I just follow his order and starts to like chip it down Mm. and eventually comes to the point of like, listen, you know, there needs to be some, like she eventually like kind of breaks into her and is like, you know, he's doing wrong. She's like, I know, but I need to follow. I think what he's doing can, can work. And she talks about this and, you know, eventually at the end of this, the whole end of this, this saga, she basically tells endurance, you know, someone needs to stay here and take care of him. It can't be me because obviously we've fallen out of love. But like you obviously harbor feelings for him and you trust him. You should be the one to stay here and take care of him. Mm-hmm. And and that's when Durance kind of agrees. But at the same point, as as before all this that aspect goes on, this is where that monitor like does inform the Erdidact in Endurance, like we need to go see your boy. And that's when they get this private meeting between the Erdidact and the librarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she, he, like he, he's like, "Oh, you're kind of calm. Like I assume you'd be pretty mad about this whole uh, me killing all your humans kind of thing." But she has that rifle with her, so he and he has his defenses down because and, he, and, he never turns to her because I believe his armor's off. Like mm-hmm. he's just in like a relaxed position, mm-hmm. and she's kind of going like, "Listen, I don't agree with what you did. However, I'm here for you, and if this is what we need to do." You know, unfortunately, this is what we need to do. Yeah, but, you know, as she's, like, definitely wearing, like, making herself seem as innocent as possible, she shoots him with a a rifle. Yes, and I I like that what Bear put this, like, his expression as he, because I think he turned, Mm -hmm. and as he turned, sees the rifle leveled at him, and came to terms with it, and, like, knew it was going to happen. Yeah, he wasn't surprised. Like, when he got shot, she said that, or how it's described is, like, how he looked was, like, it's about time. Yes. And he gets put down and this is where then he gets put into the cryptum because she's like if he's in this cryptum long enough 
all this work can be undone. Like yes, and um, and and he'll fully heal through there, and and that's where going back to endurance of will is. That's when the librarian's like, listen, someone has to be here to take care of him to make yeah. sure if he if he comes out of this, or just to you know sweep up the dust that appears around him, <laughs> you know, you know, take care of him, that you'll be here. Well, another interesting thing is, I don't know if we touched on this, is that they talked about how the domain, they always thought, because, uh, bear with me. So we're talking about the domain right now. So the domain we find out is actually a precursor creation. Forerunners always thought that it was a forerunner creation. And so when you're in the cryptum, you're connected to the domain. And that's how she was like, oh, through the domain, he's going to become sane again. Mm-hmm. Well, what they then find out is, oh, crap, we're destroying when we fire off these halos later. It's going to just it's going to destroy precursor stuff. And yes. that includes the domain. So they're like. There is a possibility he's never going to heal. Yes. Like, so, so there we go. There was finally the reason why the didact wakes up in Halo 4 pissed off because he's like, uh, what the hell is going on here? Cause I, I thought like, why isn't he a good guy? Now I know. Now I finally yes, know. And, and it makes sense. And, and to go back a little bit to the, the Promethean Knights, you know, didact does have this speech of very much grave mind esque of that, that precursor of, you know, I'm building these to take out the flood and any other species across any galaxy that challenges us. Mm. So it it is that like adapted grave mine aspect of instead of just saying like, oh, you know, the precursors are the best, like we're gonna save them, it now is transferred to forerunner of I will take everyone out. And that's basically going back to where the librarian finally levels the gun. She's like, You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just simply can't. <laughs> yeah. But but moving on from that, then this is where the the librarian goes to Earth to kind of, you know, draw them away from everyone. That way, good didact can activate all the halos and kill everyone. Yes, because she sends this message out. She She's able to, having that security clearance she had, mm-hmm. to take several knights with her. And to have, kind of build a security council around her to say, like, I need a little bit of a force to come with me to attract the flood. I'm not just, like, you know, shouting into the void, like, hey, flood, it's just yeah. me on Earth. Come on over. And, you know, as she's she's doing this, like you said, she knows she may only buy him minutes, but that may be all he needs to get everything up and running and to get mm-hmm. things taken care of. Yeah, and, and this is where the grave mind is almost kind of starting to, to mess with her because he's sending out ancient human essences, including that uh, fourth end show, yeah, Lord, Lord of, of Admirals. Because I, like, I was like, why is he in this book again? And then I was like, oh, it's because... Apparently the grave mind can do that, and this is this is where it's revealed. Like, oh, the domain is indeed uh, created by precursors. So yes, and 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 it kind of goes into what the composer is, mm-hmm. which is which is adapted Promethean technology, or excuse me, adapted precursor tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's doing the same thing of taking human essences that I think the way they described in the book was it was an essence put on top of another decaying human or something. I think so, Basically, yeah. like, flood-infected, but, like, they put a projector on him mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, had this whole thing, because she goes... Because mm-hmm. she right away knew. She's like... At first, like, Lord of Admiral, like, no. Like, I saw you fall. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way this is you, and so... But it is the essence of him, mm-hmm. which I thought was just really interesting and such a cool way to do it, because he does talk like uh, the Lord of Admirals. But at the same time, going into the book... It's also a weird warning the grave mind gives because yeah. they still have somewhat free will. So the Lord of Admirals warns her of it. So I was very confused on that aspect of if the grave mind was sending like this, like 
cheeky warning ahead of time? Yeah. Or what was allowing that to happen? I was very confused. I know it was to mess with her because she loved her humans, and these are like these major humans that she has to watch die in front of her again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just, it was just a very interesting aspect mm-hmm. of that. But yeah, and and so basically, it, it never says she dies, though. I will say, it never says she dies. It just kind of leaves off with that. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to good Didact, who finally does decide to activate the rings while... Uh, and he's only mentioned a few times, but offensive bias is the new mendicant bias with yes, Chrome. Yes, he, he was, he was the... <laughs> he's, yeah, mendicant bias is Internet Explorer. Then offensive, is, offensive, offensive bias is obviously Edge. Obviously. Obviously. They're both garbage, but... This one's newer because <laughs> he yeah, he was the AI that was on the greater arc mm-hmm. that was taken along with the catalog. So they went there to take care of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in the end, you know, this is where I think it's like that moment that the good didact is like realizing all the other halos are firing off. So he fires off his halo and that's like really it. Like all of a sudden it's just like. During this grand battle and everything that's going on, all these Halo rings get fired off, and that's it. And then it's just silence. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, as we know, like what we already know that that's when all these Forerunner AIs are starting to reseed life throughout the galaxy. But then we just have Guilty Spark. That's he, he's alone, and he's just starting to reflect on 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 what he's about to do for the rest of his life and what he's been doing, which is just going to be taking care of these Halos and making and, and trying to interact with anyone that comes with. This is where then all of a sudden, so he gets a a signal mm-hmm. from a, you know, unknown civilization, but then the array of the Halo just wipes it out. Yes. And then that's really it. I, I know it also says that, like, a large part of, like, his memories and stuff get wiped as well. Kind of like what they do with uh, C-3PO at the end of Star Wars Episode mm-hmm. Three. So, yeah, like, that that's really how it ends. Uh, and, and I didn't actually know this. You told me this, that there were... A few chapters left out. Yes, of the so, audio book, so, uh, out of the original book. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so the the way that the book was originally laid out, um, I, I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but I believe four to five of those final chapters. So there was thirty nine in total logs. So I believe that four or five of those were actually part of Halo Waypoint and released later mm-hmm. to kind of get you over to Halo Waypoint and get you more about those ending aspects and get you more about 343 Guilty Spark. So when they're talking about more of that civilization building up and and 343 for, you know, getting his memory wiped, that's kind of what those added aspects are. And I think mm-hmm. we have one more talk, you know, that they were able to save a riser and put these people onto this, this aspect before the rings fired, that that was included. A couple more details I just want to add that I, I looked over that could potentially tie in with four and, and some of the other stories we get is that we see that as the librarian is, is going down to air Tyrene earth to draw the flood away. She actually gives the title life shaper uh, over to chant green, uh, mm-hmm. who's one of her life workers yep. and says, and that's when Chanter Green's like, no way I cannot inherit this. Like you are the life shaper. You're the life bringer. Like you, this is who you are. She's like, listen, I can't guarantee I'm making out of this. I'm mm-hmm. a diversion. I'm a distraction. Me and these knights are going down there to, to do what we can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when Chantagreen then takes the ship and heads out. So it's a little tidbit in there, but, it you know, it might set it up very similar to our ISO-er aspect of mm-hmm. it. Not in the same way of splitting and, and kind of imprinting, but to give that title and, like, you are now the new life shaper, mm-hmm. potentially new librarian. Chantagreen, see you later. Peace. 
But well, yeah, that was the overall summary of the story. I mean, clearly, you know, go read the book. There's a lot going on in there. Uh, let's touch really quick on what does this do for the lore. So we do realize the the true fate of the Didact from the first novel. Because again, remember they talked about how, you know, he died, but really he didn't. And again, this was really, really important to me is we find out why the Didact wakes up so pissed off in Halo 4. But furthermore, we also learn more about Faber as well. Uh, and how he kind of turned into a good guy at the end. We learn about who, and these are some small things. We learn about who offensive bias is, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the half to the whole of that, that battle. But we also learn about how really forerunners had, had, uh, fallen to the flood. And, and we learn finally, like who the precursors really are, what happened to them and what happened to ancient forerunners as well. Yeah. I would say between the three books, the two were pretty much set up to give us an idea of who these characters were. Mm -hmm. And this third one really was the lore buster. It was the encyclopedia. It it was like vomiting this data at us, which in turn, I think Bear did a great job presenting for the most part, Mm -hmm. getting it out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, really impressed with just how much it gave us. Because like you said, it gives us the history of the precursors, history Mm -hmm. of the flood, history of humanity and history of the rings history of the Prometheans. It gives us so much to lead into four. And I'm just disappointed that it was released after it. Mm, I, I think yeah. it would have done so much more for three for three's credit to get it before that. And really, I wish three for three had pushed a bit more on telling people about this and reading. it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we'll discuss a little bit more of that around the end, but let's talk about just really quick, you know, release versions and reception. Mm-hmm. So of course we have paperback and hardcovers along with audiobook, and then, kind of Halo Waypoint, if yeah, you think yeah. about so, it. So, so you have like an edition release on Halo Waypoint mm-hmm. to get really the, the 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 almost the 343 launch of it in a way, mm-hmm. of saying like, come check out our new Waypoint. It's going to have some cool 343 stuff on it. Check out some audio logs. We're like Bungie. <laughs> Do it. So so yeah, it, it was stuff. And I'm, I'm glad that what they included on, on Halo Waypoint wasn't crucial Mm-hmm. to finishing or understanding the book, but it was yeah. nice to bridge some gaps. So some say, you know, some could think of it as, oh, this is extras added in to bridge stuff we didn't talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. Or just to culminate to see how, because basically this is the start of CE and 4. Yeah. Is is really where we're seeing this built up as. So yeah, I, I'm, I was excited about it. I, I, I'm going to wait till the end, but I will say out of the three, this so far, or is, my favorite of them. Yeah. But let's talk about the general reception of the book itself. So fans would consider Silentium the highlight of the trilogy. Instead of being told from one perspective, it's told from several during the fall of Forerunner Society during the Forerunner Flood War. For the first two novels, fans and critics were split on their opinions of the book, but it seemed that Silentium would be the one that was the fan favorite Mm -hmm. after all of the trilogy because those first two were kind of drawn out. I mean, really, this could have been two books. Yeah, but but moving on from that, Silentium debuted at number eight on the New York Times hardcover fiction bestseller list and then dropped down to number 35 the following week. It also debuted at number 24 on the New York Times combined hardcover and paperback fiction list because we have to have a million of these lists for whatever reason. And it also entered USA Today's top 150 books in March 2013, along with being one of Barnes & Noble's bestseller picks. And then as far as reviews and scores, you've got Walmart users giving it a 4 out of 5, Barnes & Noble a 4.75 out of 5, Audible 4.7 out of 5, Goodreads a 4 out of 5, Mirrodin Games 8 out of 10, 
eBay, five out of five. Those users love it. That was one user, by the way. So Those one, user, <laughs> parentheses, S, parentheses, love it. And then Amazon, overall, give it a 4.5 out of five. Now, wrapping this all up, the notes-wise, Bear has stated that he wouldn't never write for the Halo universe again. He has simply stated that he's just going to focus more on his own original novels. Yes. So he's never said no, but I don't think he just wanted to outright say no. Yeah. Because, again, there was a lot more of 343 kind of breathing down his neck for this one. Well, uh, and, and you also say – you never say no to opportunities. You just go, I haven't been offered yet. Yeah. Same with like with when Marty's been asked, like, oh, I'm more than willing to do it, but the offer's never been there. Yeah. But also I'm way too busy with my own – with my own uh, uh, game anyway. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tactical thing of, I'm not going to reach out to them. If they, for some reason, it's like passive. If they mm-hmm. reach out to me and give me a topic, sure. Yeah, we're, we're talking about like Marty yeah. composing again. Uh, so so this is, again, this is the time where we now um, sit back, relax, and we just discuss a little bit of the book and how we felt about it. As always, Alex, please start us off. So like I said, this was kind of my first foray into the Forerunner trilogy. Mm-hmm. So jumping into that. So I was very nervous going to this third one because I wasn't a fan of the first two. Mm-hmm. I don't like first-person narratives like that where I'm introduced to all these... New, I, I'm in a somewhat familiar universe. Mm-hmm. It's obviously way in the past now, so it's a whole different universe, but stuck within Halo. Yeah. And it was just kind of hard to follow some of it. I thought, you know, if you read it six or seven times, you probably get a lot more out of it. I'm not doing that. And we're not going to do that. Yeah, because on to the next one, essentially. Exactly. And so, you know, I think it goes back and forth of, you know, fans either truly wanted this or like me, I didn't mind not really knowing who the Prometheans or who the Forerunners were, who are like these these old gods almost. Yeah. And, I, and also learning about how the Flood came to be. I mean, personally, I, I just didn't want to know this. Like, believe it or not, there is a some good in a sense of mystery. Like you don't have to know everything about everything when it comes to the lore and everything. I and said every, everything. I and said everything. everything and everything. Times. Yeah. And everything, whenever you're talking about everything, it's just everything, man. It's just everything. No, I agree. I, I, I'm not a big lore person really on anything. I, I like to, I like to dabble and see kind of what some stuff is, but I don't need mm, every yeah. answer immediately answered. You know, I guess you'd say, or, you know, every question posed has an answer. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have some of that mystery to it and let it unfold, I would say, naturally. Yeah, as it's told, presented throughout the games, or even it's like you don't have to know it, like like Dark Souls, for instance. Exactly. And, you know, if Bungie had, let's say, started to introduce a lot more of this over time, and like in CE, we're like, oh, it's not a natural formation, and we see there's a halo ring and we start to get more ideas about that. And we do, we get the arc, we get all these other things that come through it. But I think if we had subtle details mm-hmm. about kind of who the forerunners were, whether we see like a shadow of one or like some of these aspects of an idea of like a Promethean or mm-hmm. like finding a relic about it, I think it would have been introduced a little bit better instead of just kind of boom, there it is. Yeah. And as I, as I said, like I loved the, the, allure that the forerunners were a mystery i mean in legends i think that was enough uh that origins that was enough for me we see who they are but we still really don't know who they are yeah you get an idea of it and you you get you get some little bits and pieces coming out Mm -hmm. of it you know i i will say like i said between the three of them this is my favorite and i think bear did 
Absolutely. very well mm-hmm. at telling these aspects. I know your one big complaint, I think you're going to bring it up, is there wasn't just, there wasn't a lot of battles or sequences with the flood. No. And I agree. But I think o- overall, this is just more of that recanting and, and getting us set up. And mm-hmm. I think did it very well. And a lot of it foreshadows a lot of the stuff we've already seen, which I thought the tie-in was amazing. Even the tie-in between that um, Judicate going in and kind of getting his mind all absorbed in there, and mm. then that same aspect happening way in the past with the librarian getting bitten and having an mm. organic aspect to it. I thought yeah. the juxtaposition between that was fantastic. And I, 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 I do like the intro to the Flood. I think that was probably... I liked the precursor aspect of this mm-hmm. more than the forerunner aspect. Yeah, the precursors, and, and they're they're still a huge mystery as mm-hmm. well. So this is so this really is our new forerunners essentially because we still don't know too much about them, which is really interesting at the same time. So now we have a new thing to go. Okay, we need to learn about them uh, eventually. Maybe an infinite that will happen. Yes, who knows? Uh, and here's the thing: it's one of those things. I almost think at time we still also know a little too much about the precursors, but that's just me because again, I do love the mystery of things. Yes, and and we definitely got the on the nose intro of who and why the flood is. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I thought it was it was a smart way to do it. Um, it, it reminds me of, of a lot of that sci-fi aspects of, you know, subdividing, 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 mm-hmm. but losing a little bit of, for lack of a better word, humanity each time. Yeah. And instead of having a full balanced diet of good, bad, disease, cures, stuff like that, it just went down to the, like, hungry disease aspect of it, of... Mm we're not thinking straight, we're just going to kill everything and be everything. Exactly. But, and as I had said before, I had preferred that we saw a more grand scale battle going on where it Mm -hmm. described some tactics and things like that to be a little more interesting. But that's just me. I I agree with you that this is probably the better of all three. Uh, With that being said, I'd say I'd give this probably a seven seven and a half out of ten because because really at first it's a little hard to follow because it jumps between perspectives a lot eventually it does settle down though and like let one perspective tell like a chapter or two's worth of information Mm -hmm. but that being said seven seven and a half out of ten um overall we we finally we wrapped up this trilogy our first trilogy that we wrapped up so i mean that's that uh would i ever reread it again probably not no yeah, it just depends. Um, yeah, and, and the one thing I will add that I think is a disappointment for three for three's aspect is that we don't see the flood in four or five, even yeah. though the grave mine aspect is a major player into why we got the Erdidact the way he is in four. Mm-hmm. We don't get much of that referenced. No, he just wakes up a dick. Yeah, he just wakes up and he's like, he's your he was. If you didn't read the books. Sorry, this is jumping over to four a little bit. If you didn't read the books, he became kind of just a very stereotypical bad guy. Yeah, that's really what he was. He's just like, I'm a bad alien. Here's my alien army that can teleport. Rah. Mm-hmm. But if, all right, so my rating for this, I'd probably give it um, a big bowl of flood spore cereal that has seven essential grains and minerals out of probably two starships that were kind of cool named that I did like. Plus, the aspect of the only arc that was saved was Master Builder because he was a bad guy, then a good guy. Now he's like middle, which is kind of interesting. Probably out of, I really want to see 
some artist make a floor a flood infested galaxy out of seven okay out of seven mm-hmm. okay you know mm-hmm. we'll take that but yes that was halo silentium i know it had a lot of differing opinions within the kind of the finish the fight community about these books itself but we finally got through it and we're moving on and bear overall you know however people perceive your work you still were the one to bring us the Forerunner lore itself. And as always, we want to thank those who are supporting us. Uh, you know, it's helping us transition. So this episode might sound a little different for you guys. If you haven't noticed already, uh, we are doing a studio transition and having yep. a full build out for it. Uh, so it'll probably sound a little different. We're going to try and get as close as we can. But all that aside, this is all because of our awesome patrons mm-hmm. um, who have been able to help to support us through this, get this transition going. And get these things out to you. So if you ever want to join our Patreon, we have links in all of our descriptions of all of our episodes. Or just DM us on any of the social medias or on Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, but want to thank those who make this possible right now. And we have McCray Austin, Jamie Sneed, Graham, That LL Gamer Guy, Quantum Easy, Dilfix, Baby Z, Alejandro Yarmio, Duststorm, DGamer1298, Jonas, James Yervasi, Brenton Bagley, Dragonfire, Cowan Fong Feliciano, Mr. Cholf, Colonel Panic, Grant Dillon, ZZ Slipaway, Angry Canadian, Brandon Reshitar, Harvey Chong, Skyjack, Tactics, and Charles Zitter. So, with all those names added up for you guys, if you don't know, one of our Patreon milestones, I guess you would say, mm. is that once we reach 25, Jesse and I will play through all of Legendary CE. So we'll be streaming that. We'll give you guys some dates that are coming up that we'll be doing that. Yeah, check, uh, check our social for that Check stuff. the social for that stuff. Depending on when you listen to this episode, mm-hmm. regardless, we'll have it on social. We'll be blasting it. Where I will be basically speedrunning it, and Jesse will be there. And I'll be carrying... I'll I'll be picking up the slack. You'll be running by the enemies. No, 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 no. I will be taking them out. Yes, that's pretty much what's going to happen. So <laughs> it's been awesome to help with these guys. And if you do want to join, we've got some really awesome rewards for each tier. You can check those out. If you have any questions, send it to Jesse or I. Mm-hmm. And then as well, we do have our two stores. We have our merch store where we have some of our FTF branded clothing. Let us know what you think. Uh, right now, it's a lot of logos, a couple other things. But if there's anything else that you want, whether it's the art prints on shirts or mugs or whatever, let us know. There's some yeah. other things that we're going to be adding in, um, as well as our print store on our Etsy. And we've got that linked everywhere. And I know we've been getting a decent number of orders coming through there. So I'm getting those out to the print shop and shipped ASAP. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, you have any questions. Was, we're seeing more and more orders come in. So you know, thank you guys for if you have ordered merch. Or if you have ordered prints as well. Yeah. Because it, it helps. I mean, as I said, you we're building out a new studio, so stuff like that helps a lot because mm-hmm. we can actually uh, be a little lucrative about it. We can afford walls. We can afford walls now. <laughs> well, well, we can afford a ceiling now. That's what we had to create yes, in the last that's studio. What we did. This, this came with ceiling, so bam, <laughs> there we go. So now we're building a new wall. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Alex had mentioned social. You know, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And we reply to any and all messages, so please, like, let us, you know, know what you think of the podcast or if you need a link to any store or the Discord or anything like that because, you know, again, join our Discord as well because it's it's open and free for all, 
because really, you know, it's growing all the time and it's really fun to see just all these different kind of conversations pop up and just discussing the podcast itself or Halo itself. And then as always, you know, you can find us on any and all podcast platforms. You know, if you are going to leave us a review or give us, you know, a star rating, please do that on iTunes. It helps a lot. And then also, if you are listening on Spotify, continue to do so because that will help us in the long run as well. But again, that was Halo Silentium. Bear with us. We are in a new studio right now. Get it? Get it? Bear with us. Bear. <laughs> but we are in a new studio right now, so hopefully by the next one, everything will really start coming together. And I'm really excited for the future. What's going to be happening later this year? You know, you guys are going to hear some awesome things coming from us. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Some stuff that we've been working on since January that yeah. we're that we're going to be putting into this you know this kind of new season that will be coming out of the podcast but with that being said i'm your host jesse reiners and i'm your host alex kendall thank you for tuning in to finish the fight a halo podcast halo it's finished no i think we're just getting started